1045 The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch. Means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. Blessed to have you as a part of my audience. My name happens to be Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Telephone number is 615-737-1045. Welcome into a special edition of the Big Six. Last night president delivered the State of the Union address. I come to you tonight humbly to present the State of the Sports Union address for 2020, both for Nashville and the state of Tennessee, as well as the country. We're going to look at where we stand in athletics, and I'm going to ask you the question, and you can take it wherever you want. What is the state of sports in Tennessee, and what is the state of sports across the landscape? 615-737-1045 is how you join us. Ryan Albanese is the gatekeeper. I guess you could call him the speaker. He's behind the glass. He's spinning the Dobbs radio style for me this evening. So we will start locally, and then we will go a little bit larger with it. And before we begin, I'm blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. I hope you recognize that you are as well. Hope this finds February really hitting it good for you right now. I hope it's going to continue as we're midway through this week. So what is the state of the sports union for Nashville and for the state of Tennessee? That's where we lead off. And this city is dominated by its professional football franchise. The Tennessee Titans over under came out earlier today eight and a half wins for next season, which is exactly the same number it was in 2019 and 20, the season that just finished. And honestly, folks, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, putting these totals out so early just reeks of gambling degeneracy because so much is going to be changing over the next few months across the NFL, across the league. People are going to get paid. People are not going to get paid. People are going to arrive. People are going to depart. People are going to hold out. People are going to be drafted. And not just in Tennessee, it's going to happen league-wide, which means whatever your schedule is, is either going to increase in difficulty or it's going to diminish in difficulty. But on the surface, what does 8.5 tell you? It tells you that Las Vegas sees basically the same regular season as last year. And because we saw a quarterback switch, that tells me Vegas doesn't have much love for Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. Or maybe they have love for what he just did, but they think what he just accomplished in his first term, he's not going to duplicate going forward. Another factor, 
losing Dean Peace, who's decided he wants to enjoy the rest of his life and not go through the stress and the grind, even though his statement, which I read to you a couple of weeks ago, indicates he really did have a lot of fun doing what he did, and he was exceptional at it. But you don't just replace a Dean Peace. The good news for Titans fans is Mike Vrabel has my support and will get my vote in this upcoming campaign. I believe he's going to be here for a while, folks. Hopefully he's not going to be lured away anywhere else. I don't know where it would be unless Belichick were to leave and they and New England called, perhaps. But he's done a good job as the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. Yes, you can point to a mistake he's made here, a decision that's been questionable there. But the growth in Mike Vrabel from his first to his second season at the helm of this organization was strong. Better than I thought it would be. He gives this team a chance to be in the mix every single year. Or if you don't think he's spectacular... At the very least, he's not going to generally be a reason why they're going to fall short. Just for example, I don't think that's the case in Houston right now with Bill O'Brien in the same division. Even though they continue to win the division a lot and make it to the playoffs, how often are they really advancing? And how often when they do win a playoff game, do they have to do it in spite of a head coach rather than in concert with one? Mike Vrabel is a strong leader. And I think he has proven a lot of us, at least skeptics in the early going or wondering what we were seeing in the first season. It feels to me like he's proven a lot of that wrong. And I also want to talk about health care. Because it is in a much better situation going forward for the Tennessee Titans than it has been in recent years, especially at the quarterback position where it's been unfortunate how oft injured Marcus Mariota has been. But eight has likely suited up in the two-tone blue for the final time. Whether or not it's Ryan Tannehill, whether or not it's someone else, that concern should decrease a little bit this year. But, I want to recognize him for everything he tried to do in this community. I want to recognize him for every hand he shook, for every neck he hugged, for every moment of time he donated, for class personified, even in telling his successor during the loss to Kansas City, you deserve this. You're going to have a lot more of these. You're going to be in a lot more of these. Just total class. I offer to Marcus Mariota the Big Six Medal of Freedom, the highest athletic honor I can pay to someone outside of acknowledging a championship. I hate that he's not the guy. I know I said it a long time before some others did. And the reason why, it's not because I was brilliant. It may be because I was a little bit more negative. But in general, we all wanted him to be the guy. We all hate that he's not the guy. We know he's not the guy now, but we desperately wanted to see that be true. But never did he do anything other than give all that he had. He wanted to be the guy. He tried. It just wasn't in the cards. So I give him the Big Six Medal of Freedom 
for 2020. Let's go to a phone call real quick. You can chime in and interrupt this address all you want. There were over 120 applause moments last night in the State of the Union address. I'm not expecting a lot of applause, but we'll just say instead of applause, you can interrupt at 615-737-1045. Let's go to Matt. He's in South Nashville this evening. Matt, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I just want to say, J-Mart, I love the show. It's one of the hours of radio I just never miss. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. That means a tremendous amount to me. All right. Well, uh, so as we all know, famously, Taylor Luan has a podcast. Yeah, he does. Um, <laughs> and I was listening to uh, the episode that just came out the, uh, the other day, I think it was yesterday, where he goes through the whole season game by game with Will Compton. And uh, he, he, both of them talked a little bit about Mike Rabel as a coach, and I wanted to bring it up because you were talking about Mike Rabel. Mm-hmm. Um, he said they were, they were talking about um, when Mike Rabel came over and interrupted a conversation between Taylor Lewin and Tom Brady. And uh, Lewin said that uh, he was talking about Rabel. He said he's an alpha dog. You know, he, he needs to tell everybody in the room that he's the boss, but he's gotten better. That, uh, he mentioned that between last season and this season, and not that he like was bad to be around, but that um, the, he he said that Brable has a quiet confidence, and he he feels secure as a leader, and that it changed how even Lewin views him. And I just you were mentioning the growth from season to season. There's a little bit of it from the mouth of one of the players. Thanks. I'll hang up and listen. Appreciate it, Matt. That's a great anecdote. I have not heard that podcast, but yeah, I, I did. I just thought there was growth in the way Mike Vrabel approached his job. Now, from the very start, he did some things that endeared him to the media and also showed that he might have what it took to be a CEO. Like, yeah, he was a football guy, and he played for arguably the greatest coach in the history of sports in this country, certainly in history of the NFL. But... The stories that stood out to me were how he got to know everybody from the lowest to the highest. It wasn't like he just hung around the elites. He found out who made all the travel reservations. He knew the chefs. He made sure he understood, and they knew his name, and he shook their hand. He took the time to understand the organization from top to bottom. And when you go back to the political scene and you think about the elites and catering to the elites – or catering to you know, lower classes or ones that are struggling for one reason or another. The most successful politicians are the ones that, no matter where you find yourself on the spectrum, no matter where you find yourself in life, in society, you feel like that person cares enough to reach out a hand to you. Even if it's phony. And look... Politics is nothing if not a show in many ways. But you look at these campaigns and you look at what we've seen in Iowa and you look at the way the president spoke last night and the reaction to it from all sides. Everyone is trying to reach as many different groups as they possibly can. If they're not, they're going to get trucked as soon as someone has an opportunity to vote for someone else. When you think of how Ken Wisenhunt was viewed when he was here, it wasn't just that he wasn't successful as a head coach here. It's how he acted. It's how he treated people. 
there were not a whole lot of positive stories about him. I never had a run-in with Ken Wisenhunt during his time here. I was only around him a couple of times. But every story seemed to be a very negative thing. And maybe he's just not really a people person and didn't know he was coming across that way. But he came across that way. And Mike Vrabel in year one, in his first job, wanted to do well. And maybe did grip a little bit hard because he's a super competitive guy. He played for a super competitive guy. He's used to winning. He wanted to continue to win. So, you know, when he lost, maybe he didn't know exactly how to channel all those emotions properly. I think he did a better job with that this year. But generally, he just felt more like the CEO this year. He didn't look like he was flying by the seat of his pants. He had control in press conferences. You know, you have the speakers that read whatever the speechwriter has written for them. Or you have the guys that look you in the eye and you feel like they care about what they're saying. You know, the documentary on Mike Vick that has been playing out, the 30 for 30. One thing Mike Vick did that was very good, despite the fact a lot of people will never forgive him for the dogfighting and everything else, despite all that he's tried to do to overcome that, was that when Mike Vick spoke for the first time, one thing I will never forget is that he did not have something in front of him that he was reading off of. This did not look like a hostage video. This looked like somebody who wanted you to understand his contrition, to believe his remorse, to trust him again, to give him another chance. And it goes a long way. When everything seems rehearsed, we tune out. Sometimes it's hard to listen to audiobooks. Sometimes it's fine, but sometimes it can be hard to listen to them if you don't have the right speaker because you just feel like sometimes you read a book and you want to read it in your own voice. And when somebody speaks to you, you kind of hope that there is some bridge between what they're saying and how they're saying it and how you like to be spoken to. You, know, you think about like the love languages and things like that. People that connect are able to speak to you not at you. They're able to speak with you, not at you. Vrabel has to balance being a CEO and someone with authority that demands respect, but also seeming to be approachable in the same way. And from season one to season two of his Titans coaching career, there was growth in those areas. He was intelligent in the way he went about his business. And then, yeah, it does help when you make a lot of good decisions, one that was pretty difficult but had to be made, and then you take your team to the AFC Championship game. And as I said, the last time I was on the air, the day after the Super Bowl, just like ain't no shame for the Niners, there was no shame for the Titans in losing to that guy and that team last year or I would say any time over the next handful of years. The state of the sports union continues next. If you have thoughts, whether it's on the Titans, the Vols, Vanderbilt, anything here or anything nationally, I want to touch on everything here as the state of the union was last night. The state of the sports union is tonight. 615-737-1045. We continue next on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. 
Welcome back, Big Six, 104.5, The Zone Little Drive by Truckers for you. Ramon Cassiano, the name of this tune. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse. They're dedicated to helping homeowners become rent estate investors by renting their homes instead of selling. Renters Warehouse, the rent estate company. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. To reach us, you can at 615-737-1045. Last night was the State of the Union address. And so we're doing the State of the Sports Union today, not just in Nashville, not just in the state of Tennessee, although that's our focus, at least for the time being. But I also want to talk about the landscape across the country. And the president, and I I watched the speech in its entirety today, this morning on DVR. I didn't get to see it live, but I saw it this morning with my coffee. And he touted a a lot of positives, and he used a lot of specifics in terms of numbers and facts and figures. So let's go there a little bit as it relates to sports. Tennessee football. Today is National Signing Day. And the class rankings, we're here right in the midst of February with the signing period, and they're updating them all the time. ESPN has Tennessee ranked number 18 right now with 25 commits. Also in... The SEC East, Georgia is number two overall. Florida is number eight. So they're third on their side of the SEC. Alabama at three, LSU at four, A&M at six, Auburn at seven. All in front of them as well. All from the West. I don't know what 18 says to you right now and where it's going to land at the end of everything. But Tennessee should have a little bit more hype, one would think, going into next year. Now, there are question marks, just like with the Titans. We don't know what the truth is going to be relative to the quarterback position. Well, in Knoxville, Garantano's back, but there's a lot of other talented people. There's people that we saw flashes from but weren't sure about, and then, of course, there's Mr. Bailey. But when you think of Jeremy Pruitt, as it relates to the State of the Union, Pruitt is the hope and change coach right now. Because in one season, he took me from thinking he wasn't the guy early in this year to thinking maybe he actually is. As long as the guy isn't expected to win the national championship in the next five years. And that may not be enough for Tennessee fans. Measured expectations is something that might make you roll your eyes as you're in the rain and in the traffic right now, and I appreciate you listening to me on the program. It's what this fan base, this Knoxville fan base, this UT fan base has seen enough of and heard enough of. It is read my lips, no new taxes. They want to be dominant again, and that's fair. The thing about being dominant, though, is it's not easy. You're going to see that next year, I think, with the San Francisco 49ers. You saw it with the Rams this year. You see it with the loser of the Super Bowl often, if not the winner and the loser. It's never easy to be dominant. It's even tougher to maintain dominance. Tennessee is by no means dominant, but they're on a bit of a streak in their last handful of games, or maybe two handfuls of games is more accurate. Being dominant, becoming dominant, being nationally relevant again, that's not going to come without a lot of crawling. 
before the walking and maybe even crawling sideways because there's obstacles in front of you, Georgia and Florida recruiting classes among them. You might have to go sideways and not actually get any positive yardage for a time, not actually advance closer to the finish line, then get around the obstacle and then begin to crawl forward. And then you learn to walk. Or maybe you find a way to scale those obstacles in some ways. But when you think of the losses, and you know, last night in the chamber there were a lot of people being honored, a lot of people that were asked to stand for various reasons. Well, we could easily ask these guys to stand. Incredible seniors who battled so hard. They dealt with every possible brand of adversity imaginable. Not all of them dealt with all of the same things, and some were self-inflicted, and there was growth needed. But how do you feel if you're a Vols fan about Jawan Jennings and Marquez Calloway and Daniel Batuli and Daryl Taylor and Nigel Warrior? This is one of those moments where everyone in the chamber is actually applauding, even those that are not on the side of the sitting president. Those guys earned your respect by the way they played football and the way they battled. Even if you hate Tennessee, you were always cognizant of where those five gentlemen were on the field at any given time this season. And for many of them, throughout their careers. And especially Warrior, who for over three seasons seemed like it just wasn't what it was going to be. It wasn't what you thought it was going to be when he got there. And then he woke up, and boy, did he ever wake up and became one of the most important factors on this defense and one of the most consistent players and playmakers on this defense that would keep them in games before the offense woke up and did its thing. 615-737-1045, that's how you reach us. Let's go to Paul in Franklin up next here on this special edition of the Big Six. Paul, what's up? Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, I want to touch quickly on the Tennessee Vols and the national recruiting mm-hmm. and, the, and the future path of the Vols. Look, uh, player development is going to be crucial uh, with Tennessee moving forward. Look, the SEC is unlike any conference, and I don't care the Big Ten or whatever. The SEC is unlike any conference because of the scale of national recruiting. Just look at the top ten. Uh, in national recruiting, how they finish. The SEC is dominated, and it's going to take player development, and I do believe that Jeremy Pruitt and his staff is tops on uh, player uh, development. Look, uh, Tennessee's been down, no doubt. They've been down. But it's a heck of a lot harder to get up off the mat in the SEC because of the nature of the SEC than it is the Big 12. You can get a big recruiting class, top 10 recruiting class in the Big 12, and then you can win the conference the next year. Well, it's not like that in the SEC. But the Vols is on the right track, and I believe, I'm telling you, Tennessee is going to be a force to be reckoned with in the East this year and moving forward. I do believe that. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Bye-bye. All right, Paul. Tennessee's currently number 18 in ESPN's ratings. He was talking about the strength of the SEC in recruiting. Six of the top ten, I believe. Georgia, Alabama, LSU, A&M, Auburn, Florida. Those six are in the top ten currently. 
in that order. Two, three, and four is Georgia, Alabama, LSU. A&M is six. Auburn is seven. Florida is eight. A lot of high numbers, too. LSU only has 22 commits. The rest of them have at least 25. Tennessee has 25 right now. Moved up a spot to move them past Florida State, who actually has the most of anybody that I can see on my screen in the top 35 with 29. And a new head coach, of course. South Carolina's two spots below Tennessee at number 20. That rounds out the top 20. But Tennessee at 18, the way this team finished the season, Jeremy Pruitt making one of those rally moves like he was Washington crossing the Delaware. When he stood up for his team, and I thought he went too far on the field complaining, but he was standing up for his guys and showing he was going to fight for them. Washington famously was one of the last to cross the river. He stayed behind. He let everybody else go first. In that moment, everyone knew that he valued them. And he's somebody that you could trust as a leader. And this was during a time when the American Revolution was not going particularly well for our side at all. Loyalists had taken control in numerous spots, including New York and a lot of universities. But his guys trusted him in that moment, even though he was making mistakes, even though he was a little bit impulsive early on, if you read the biographies. He became more measured as it went along. But he also made sure they knew he was in the fight with them. He wasn't just wearing a sash and a jacket and ordering people around. And Pruitt, when he got that 15-yard penalty, and when he stood up and he screamed at the officials, his team realized they were... They weren't alone. That Coach Pruitt was in the fight with him. That he wasn't just wearing an orange jacket on the sidelines and a white Vols cap. That he cared about them. And that he wanted them to know that he was in the fight with them. That goes a long way. 615-737-1045. This is the State of the Sports Union. If you're on hold, we'll get to you next here on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Welcome back to the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. You can find me on Twitter. Join me at jmartzone. 615-737-1045 is how you join the program tonight. With last night being the State of the Union Address, we're doing the State of the Sports Union Address, focusing on Tennessee, this state, this city, so far. But I do want to touch on the nation. may have to wait until the next segment, or maybe we extend this and do it tomorrow on the program as well. But... I said that you could interrupt at any point. It's kind of like the applauses last night. There's over 120 of them during the State of the Union. There's always a lot. Let's go to Bill in Nashville. He leads us off here this segment. Bill, what's up? Um, hey, Jay. Um, uh, love the show. Um, Thank you. My favorite show of uh, um, <laughs> every day. Um, it, I just want to bring up two things. Um, number one, the Titans are, are moving moving up. I think they're going to have an even better year. Um, I don't know if they'll get to the AFC Championship game, but I think they'll have a better overall record this, this next year than they did last year. Um, now, as far as Tennessee is concerned, they're really making progress. They've got good coaches. They've got good players. But here's how important recruiting is. There are two kids that played at Middle Tennessee in high school football. 
both of them played for LSU and started on defense. Mm-hmm. That's how important two good players are. We've got to keep our good kids at home if possible. I think it's a great point, and I think that goes along with sustained success. Like, yeah, you can talk people into playing there. I think I heard Chad Withrow say this in the past. I think it was Chad because he's hosted the high school and he's done such a good job with Chris Deeks and those guys on Fridays for such a long time. He talked about how when James Franklin was here, whether you love or James love James Franklin or hate him, James Franklin would call the show. James Franklin would call this radio station on Friday nights and just say, hey, I'm just out and about at blah, blah, blah school. He made this community. He made the high schools. He made the coaches. He made the players. And yeah, maybe most importantly, he made the parents believe that he believed in their kids. And he made them believe that he could win. And he did win. He did a great job at not letting a lot of the talent leak out of the state and go elsewhere. Winning helps because if you have a winning program, it's going to be easier to get people to stay in state. Uh, you know, Clemson was always big, but I imagine it's easier to keep the the talent that you know comes out of some of the better places like Rock Hill or Greenville, Spartanburg area, Burns High School, stuff like that. Like you're able to keep those guys at Clemson or at least South Carolina as long as they're winning games. But a coach goes a long way. Tennessee's going to be able to do better in state. If Tennessee seems like it's a place where your kid can go and actually win games, succeed, and maybe make a lot of money on the next level. If LSU's going to come calling right now, they're pretty hot. I don't know they're going to be able to duplicate what we just saw them do because that was an all-time special team with that offense, with Brady going and Burrow going, and what they had to lose via graduation and everything else it's going to be hard to duplicate, but they just right now currently have the fourth best class in the country according to ESPN Plus ratings. It all rolls downhill. When you are not good, you can do nothing right. But when you're good, it's almost like you can do nothing wrong. It's the, it's the difference between trying to push a rock up a hill like you're Sisyphus in the old myth where that hill's never going to stop or eventually you're going to run out of strength and it's going to roll back to the ground or starting at the top of that mountain and just basically having to make sure that that rock doesn't fall too quickly off it as it goes downhill. Much easier to go downhill than to go uphill. And there are moments and some coaches that are perfect to take you up the hill to a point, and then you have to bring in another guy that's like your closer, for example, or the guy that gets the baton last in the relay and can actually take you home. But I do think that Tennessee is getting to a place where the kids in this state, the younger players in this state, the high school phenoms, are seeing a team winning for the first time in a while. They're starting to see success. And that can become a problem when you have a generation that sees nothing but mediocrity and futility because why would I go there just because my dad said they were good 50 years ago? That's what some programs are running into right now. That is Sisyphus stuff. That is trying to go uphill. That's Nebraska, in my opinion. Doesn't mean it can't do it, but it's going to be awfully difficult. Now let me move to Vanderbilt quickly. Malcolm Turner is gone. Resigned yesterday. I put that in air quotes. Interim Director of Athletics, Candace Story Lee. 
This is a woman who I interviewed a couple of years ago on a show that a lot of you may not have heard called This Week in Women's Sports. I was asked to host that show. It was one of the first shows that I really got an opportunity to do. And I embraced the opportunity. And I spoke to some really intelligent, talented, just driven people. And one of the first people I interviewed was a woman named Candace Story Lee. And I was so impressed with the, not just her intelligence, but the way in which she was able to see what the future she wanted it to look like. She was so positive, but she was also so structured and measured in the way in which she approached things. She seemed to be ahead of the curve. And so for her to be named interim, I'm sitting here wondering, I'm not going to speak out of turn because I don't know what Vanderbilt might want to do, but I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if that interim tag disappears at some point. Based on the conversation I've had, and let me read this to you. This is from Vanderbilt's website, but I really want to quote pieces of the Sports Business Journal. But here's what Vanderbilt writes. Lee has been a key driver of the development of the Vanderbilt strategic plan for athletics, which will outline the university's vision to develop the best student-athlete experience in college athletics. The plan, expected to be announced in the coming weeks, will take a holistic and integrated approach to improving the student-athlete experience. Here's what she said. We're examining everything we do to support our student-athletes. From improving the fan experience in our facilities, to upping our game on fundraising, to developing new partnerships, the plan will establish the conditions that our student-athletes need, today and in the future, to compete and win at the highest levels. She was named last year by Sports Business Journal on a list of power players in college sports. That list recognizes individuals who have distinguished themselves as some of the best thinkers, problem solvers, and deal makers in college sports. They will play a distinctly important role in its future. Adidas, two years ago, named Candace Story Lee as part of their next up class, senior level administrators, handpicked by respected ADs at that point in time, who they believed were ready to take the next step as ADs in their own right. Like I said, I don't know what the future holds, and I don't know what they want to do. But I know this woman is very capable based on the limited experience that I had speaking to her. And just listening to what she said, student-athletes support. Improving fan experience, improving facilities, upping fundraising, developing new partnerships. It sounds political, but this is a political year, is it not? A lot of campaign speeches, a lot of promises. But we've seen a lot of people promise a lot of things and not fulfill them. But it doesn't mean that she can't. And I actually look at Vanderbilt today and I say, if she were to end up with that job, boy, that one could work out. I, I, I was blessed the entire time I was at Western Kentucky. To, well, the first interview I ever did was with Ross Bjork, who ended up leaving the week after I interviewed him on TV. First interview I ever did on TV, and it was lost. It never aired because another student forgot to hit record in the VTR, so it was not actually recorded. Not a great start. Ross Bjork then left for Ole Miss. And Todd Stewart was left behind. And he was an interim, and then he became the guy. And Todd Stewart impressed me and continues to impress me. Blow me away, as a matter of fact. 
he was forward thinking and did something real bold. He took a chance on Bobby Petrino knowing Petrino was not going to stay. He thought about what Petrino would bring with him. He kept Jeff Brom behind. Jeff Brom was better at WKU than Bobby Petrino was. He made sure that Travis Hudson was in place as a volleyball coach. He kept looking to what was going to work in basketball. He never just sat there and looked at one program and thought, we can just let that one be mediocre. He kept making moves. A tremendous athletic director. So I've seen it done right, and I've heard things said, and I've watched it, and I see a lot of possible positives for Vanderbilt right now with Candace Story Lee. Even if it's just for a short time and the interim tag never comes off and there's another decision or she were to turn it, who knows? I just know she's good and she's really intelligent. I've interviewed a lot of people in sports and entertainment and everybody else. I remember the conversation I had with her a few years ago. She just had whatever you want to define it as, she had it. Because I learned from her in that conversation. More than she certainly could have gleaned from me. And that left me very, very impressed. 615-737-1045. I know Matt called earlier. We will uh, take a break because we're over. We'll be right back. It's a big six on 104.5 The Zone. Final segment, Big Six this evening. Michael Zemuller coming up next. Stick with us. Live and local continuing. You're on 104.5 The Zone. This program brought to you by Renters Warehouse. Dedicated to making renting your home easy, fast, and worry-free. Renters Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. My name is Jason Martin. Glad to have you with us. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. We're doing the State of the Sports Union tonight. State of the Union was last night. So now we're looking, we really, I, I have all this stuff that I want to talk about in terms of where we stand as a country in sports, but I guess I got more shows to do this week. So maybe we'll do that tomorrow because we focused almost entirely on the state of Tennessee tonight, and then we can expand our reach outwardly. We talked about Tennessee and we talked about Vanderbilt. We didn't talk much about Tennessee hoops, but look, Rick Barnes is a very capable guy, at least until you get to March. The team lost a lot last year. So I don't think it was fair to expect that that was going to happen again. It felt like last year you wanted to get further than you did, and maybe you think a referee stopped that in the Purdue game. But there's not that much to say about that squad right now. When we talked about Vanderbilt, when you look at the money-making sports, not great. Derek Mason is coming back. But they squandered the best quarterback they've had in ages in Shermer. And then last year was certainly not very good. And basketball, we don't know enough right now about Jerry Stackhouse. But it was a curious hire. And it was one that was probably going to be boom or bust. But there's still a lot to be determined there. How about the Predators? They've basically become a non-factor in many minds around this city. It, you know what? Let me be truthful with you here as I speak from this lectern, this platform in the state of the sports union address. It is continually a risk to even discuss the Predators on the airwaves. 
But that said, the city's going to rally behind him, and they still root for him. We all do. Changes up top, Laviolette and everything else, that's going to take time to either work itself in terms of finally getting this thing done. It's gotten a little contentious, and there are certainly some loud voices on both sides. Eventually, it will come to a conclusion because eventually everything does. I had planned to talk about the state of Tennessee and then get to the nation and get through our entire state of the sports union address in one sitting. Last night, the president spoke for about 90 minutes. I don't have 90 minutes. Matter of fact, I had 47 if you take away the break time. I had about 47 minutes of talk time. Actually, that's wrong. I had more like 44 minutes of talk time, somewhere in that neighborhood. So in order to do what the president did last night, I need two 44 minutes which means I need tomorrow. So tomorrow we will look at the state of the sports landscape as a whole with the Super Bowl done, the XFL about to start, where we're at with the NBA leading into these all-star game changes, everything that's going on globally in every sport, and certainly within the confines of the country. We will address that on tomorrow's show. I hope you enjoyed the diversion. We'll continue the diversion tomorrow. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Michael's a Mueller on a special night following us. Don't go anywhere. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night from the Music City.